they they talk like this and they say hi i'm karen so-and-so and you're listening to uh, the true crime podcast where we delve into questions or I mean, it just I, I, I can't stand those like overly produced sounding like public radio sounding podcasts. Like I feel like I feel like the beauty the beauty of this format is that it's very like do it yourself punk rock kind of thing. Yeah. And I like the idea that you can hear flaws and that it just sounds like people hanging out and talking. I don't like when they found they sound too polished and professional. It's like go, go get a radio show if that's what you want. I mean, I, I yeah. don't know. Just. It seems like it's a different thing when they're like that polished and produced. Yeah, I think as long as it's not like overly distracting, like when we had call recorder. <laughs> yeah, um, it's fine. Um, like I, I was listening to this podcast that's based out of the uh, Vulcan Video Store in Austin. Mm-hmm. It's run by Jacob Knight from Birth Movies Death. Yeah, and uh, they were doing. I was listening to one of their episodes, and like throughout the entire thing, I got that there was the cell phone buzz like throughout the entire episode. And I was like, you know what? If he can get away with this, I shouldn't be so worried about everything. <laughs> I've listened to several. I've listened to, or not several. I've listened to a few of um, Rob Bell's podcasts where you can hear that, where he's clearly like interviewing somebody over a cell phone or something, and yeah. you know, and he's still got one of the top podcasts on iTunes. Yeah, and it's it's like what you said. It's 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 part of the like, just you know, it's it's not radio. Radio should be performative, right? You know, this is just like. The, I think the, the point of podcasting is like you, you're real people right? having real conversations about real things. And I think that's sort of it, – it's interesting because YouTube isn't that way. Like the, the YouTubers are very scripted, very polished, and they all kind of give off like uh, – uh, like it's not – there's like a – there's a big – there's a lot of illusion involved in, in, in YouTubing. Not so much a podcasting. I guess there could be in podcasting, but for the most part, I don't think it's really there. Well, yeah. See, again, that's the thing. The thing about YouTube is, I just love the. I love the idea of the, the the simplicity of what YouTube can offer, and the fact that people again are getting like really into producing stuff is, yeah. you know, it becomes it becomes like you know what the expectation then, and then it becomes something that you that like the average person just isn't able to uh, to, to 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 do to do well, right? right? I mean, YouTube YouTube is a very beautifully simple pro- concept. It's a video hosting site, so it's like whatever video you want to put on, you host it. Right. And if the expectation then is that now you have to be using, you know, like uh, you know, like a like a sixty FPS plus, you know, GoPro camera with um, you know, two thousand dollars worth of audio equipment attached to it, with you know, yeah. with like professional lighting and and framing and stuff like that, just seems to lose what I like what it is. I mean, it, it, but the cool thing is, is that if you want that, you can do that, knock yourself out. But when it like creates that expectation, people will be like, oh well, to do it well, you've got to da, da, da. like like you're doing YouTube right when you're like buying into the capitalist machine where you have to buy a bunch of crap in order to do it. Like, yeah, I would you know, the internet do... is at its best when it's, when it's disruptive and, and, yeah. and all of that. It's like I said, it's like, it's like, we always say we're like a garage band and I, I kind of like that idea. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, uh, it's all kind of in the personality and you know, we, what we do, we call it content. And so, right. you know, part of the content isn't necessarily the polished parts, like the, the, the equipment it's 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 the topics it's what we're talking about and stuff mm-hmm. yeah um and uh i don't know I, I feel like if i were to use a bunch of expensive equipment and stuff i wouldn't do that unless i was like 
making money doing this because you really right. shouldn't spend your own money <laughs> on like like if you're starting like a YouTube channel or a podcast like don't go out and buy the $2000 microphone for your first episode right like that's just cuz you're not going to i mean i guess if you want to sure it's your money do whatever you want but like i don't know to me that's like if you're not getting a return on it it's kind of pointless it's like it's it's like working for nothing yeah. And I, I just I, and again, like that, that kind of gets into my feelings on the way capitalism has sort of, you know, obviously has tainted everything is that sense that in order for you, it's, it, that it's pay to win. Right. I mean, it's the idea that that, oh, well, if you really, you know, if you want to be a podcaster, you've got to like you got to put the money into it. You got to put the whatever into yeah, it. Yeah. And like, I, I actually think time is probably more valuable than because like. You can go out and buy like the best toys and then like never do anything with it, right? Whereas you can you can use garbage to do really cool things. I mean, and, think about like all the memes and all the videos you probably watch on the internet. Like, how polished are they? Memes are some of the most like graphically <laughs> awful yeah. things. I mean, they really are terrible in terms of their gra- and, and, and you know grainy pictures and you know like they typos. Spread, like, wildfire, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and there's just yeah, that, and that's a cool thing. Ken and I just watched um, CNN's two, the the two thousands. You know how CNN does oh, these yeah, like yeah. decade specials. Um, Werner Herzog's son is like involved in those. Anyway, um, nice. the uh, the two thousands one. You know, there's a lot about the internet, and um, it was it was you know it, it kind of reminded it kind of reminded me because it's talking about the beginnings of YouTube and all that stuff and like how, how YouTube Napster and all that like destroyed the music, the music industry or yeah. radically changed the music industry. And, um, it was kind of, it was, you know, it was cool to kind of see, you know, because we're so close to it. We remember sort of living in it right. to like reflect back on it. But it just reminded me that all of this stuff was created to be, to, 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 to kind of do an end run around the established, way of doing things yeah and you know it reminded me justin bieber's career started from him just putting songs and stuff on youtube like and just bo him in his living room yeah bo burnham of course is a comedian yeah and so it's it's just a reminder that you know that it was it, this was not meant to be like another anyway you know what i mean i know what you mean yeah Um, yeah and i think that's what's kind of fascinating about it and um it's kind of funny i remember when youtube first started i i basically just used it to watch like commercials (laughs) like commercials from like around the world and stuff well and that's actually what it was um what started it was um what actually started it and they didn't talk about this in the 2000s which is interesting but what actually started it was the um um, the the wardrobe malfunction oh, at, right. in the Super Bowl because because of the, the because of all the uproar and no no one no news agency or whatever would actually show it and so people and there were people who missed the game and so they were curious like what was going on and so they they kind of realized that oh like they're you know because people were you know people were trying to send it through emails and stuff and you know there were file size limits and different things going on um, with it and that's when these guys were like well if there obviously there's a desire for a place for people to access where they can just watch videos that they can't see on TV yeah and you know and that and that was so it was related to super bowl stuff related to the and then also to commercials from around the world and things like that and i remember that you know that's how i saw you know you saw movie trailers for the first time sometimes there mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's funny. It was. It, 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 it's funny you mentioned that because in a way it was actually. It was sort of a. What a commentary on. It's a disruptive anti-capitalist thing that was used to consume capitalist products because it was used to watch commercials. Yeah, I mean that's that's how I use it. My my favorite video was the one that was like uh, um, singing in the rain. It was like remixed to the guy who was like could like pop and lock. Yeah, and then like I watched a bunch of Volkswagen commercials. I think it's because like you couldn't like watch them anywhere else. If you want to watch the TV, you have to like kind of wait for it to come on. So it's like. You go to the website that has a bunch of videos. Oh, the, sure, the commercials are there, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting. And, and I remember, like, uh, a lot of, like, the face cam commentators and stuff. As This is also, like, back when uh, people were, like, really into debating, like, creationism versus atheism and stuff. Yeah. And well, and then, and then, and then there was – yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, of course, you had, like – you know, that thing that was light years ahead of its time, which is Lonely Girl 18 or whatever. Lonely Girl 15, yes. Lonely Girl 15, light years ahead of its time. <laughs> I watched all of those videos. <laughs> um, I was bored. Really. I, but I just, but I love, I, what I love, I've never watched it, but I love the, I love the concept um, and the fact that there are people, I'm just always jealous of people who can see a new platform and they immediately know how to use it in ways that, like yeah. other people don't like the fact that these people within just a few years of YouTube being out being like, Oh wow. Like we could do basically a whole story mm-hmm. through confessionals. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and webcam videos and that, that that's cool that somebody just like within a few years thought of that. Right. And what's funny is like, the, like Francis for Coppola, you know, director of Godfather apocalypse now and, and Jack, um, he like he kind of predicted all of this because there's this uh, there's this documentary he made while he was making Apocalypse Now uh, called Hearts of Darkness. Was it with that one? I've been another one. It was a little bit older. Uh, well, he said that like one day, all of the professionalism of filmmaking is going to go away, and some girl in Wisconsin is going to be able to take her camera in her backyard and she can make a movie and everyone's going to watch it. There'll be no professionalism. She wants to go through any kind of hoops. It's just her and her camera, and like, there's already going to be an audience for her. And he said that like back in like the '80s and '70s and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really interesting. That's basically what YouTube has become. But at the same time, right. there's sort of a double-edged sword because there's that thing where uh, Kamal Nanjiani posted on Twitter where he was with, um, I think he was with like some some filmmaker friend. And they were talking about like you know what do young what kind of movies do young people like? And then oh, his, I, I've heard, I've seen this. Yeah, his friend was like, "Oh, they don't watch movies, man." He's like, "What are you talking about? They, of course they watch. Everyone watches movies." He's like, "No, look, they just like tap some random girl on her shoulder and like, hey, what's your favorite movie?" And she's like, "Oh, I don't watch movies." And they're like, well, what do you? And Camille's like, "What do you watch?" She's, she's like, "I watch YouTube videos." <laughs> and he's like, "It's so sad because like." I love movies because I grew up watching movies. Like I watched Gremlins and uh, the Goonies and stuff. And it's like he was like, if I grew up watching YouTube videos, I don't think I would love movies. Right. So. Well, then one could argue then you know what you know does that then then like what what makes a movie better than a YouTube video? But of course, the obvious answer to that, which most people don't seem to understand, is that there's actually substance to a movie. Yeah, there are principles like, that make up cinema (laughs) yeah we um we we don't we don't let the boys watch youtube videos anymore oh really 
Yeah, because they were watching, you know, like Blippy and crap. I don't know if you know Blippy. I have no idea. Blippy is brilliant in a way because so oh, I'm gonna let Madden in this conversation. Hold okay. on, thought. Here he comes. Oh, look at him. Is it working now? I don't know what's happening. We were making comments when you came on before, like the way the screen froze for you, it it looked like you were in the middle of like some kind of like action scene in a movie. And so it like it looked like you were in like a Michael Bay situation where there was like we could imagine like guys on motorcycles surrounding your car and you were like doing a drift to tail whip the guys out the motorcycle while shooting others out the passenger side window. <laughs> and um you so it That about that about sums it up. <laughs> so, so where I had the guy I had the guy who climbed in the driver's side and so I had to punch him in the face and Nice. Well you slammed the door in his neck first and then you and then you no, no, no. He wrapped the seatbelt around him. Uh, yeah, that's right. Use the seatbelt as a weapon somehow. No, you wrap the seatbelt around the wrist because it holds the gun against the the chair, right? Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, so, and then you and, can, I, and then and then and like I had to make, like I had jumps. to make my content. I had to make my comment like buckle up. It's the law. Right before <laughs> I like shot him and threw him out of the car. So. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. The situation has been taken care of, and I am now here. Buckle up, it's the law. <laughs> what would be better, that or click it or ticket? <laughs> um, um, All right, so the, Chuck uh, was telling me about this guy named Blippy on YouTube. Do you, know, do, you know, do you know Blippy, Matt? Know who? Blippy. Blippy? Oh, thank God, you don't know Blippy. No, I don't believe I know I'm Blippy. Sorry, I'm gonna, don't ever let your kids watch him. So... He so what it is is this guy. He's our age. He started out making these shock videos, and then he decided to completely do something different. I guess he got a degree in like childhood education or something. I can't, I've kind of read a little bit about him, but he decided that he wanted to make a children's show, and so instead of like, instead of you know like pitching a show to like PBS or something, he just decided to use YouTube to make his own children's show, and so he wears like this like purple shirt with these orange suspenders and like an orange driving cap and like these glasses. And he goes to like playgrounds and and he talks to firefighters and he just does like this children's show. And there's like no content to it. And he's kind of annoying. But it I mean, it's mildly educational, I guess, but in that YouTube video sort of way. And um, but in a way, it's kind of brilliant that this like guy was just like, hey, I want to make a children's show. He has like like several hundred million viewers or something like I mean, it's it's crazy what how he's he's very popular Um, and. And it's just kind of amazing. Like that to me is the beauty of what like YouTube can do is you can be like, you know what? I want to, I basically want to try to be like Mr. Rogers. And so I'm going to just be Mr. Rogers instead of pitching a show to someone, I'm just going to create it. And if people watch it, cool. If not, I'll figure something else, figure something else out. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he, but he is like all over, but, but anyway, that was one of the things, but like we've, we've put on, you know, but my kids have seen a lot of those YouTube kids videos that are created by like Russian robots. Yeah. Um, those are weird that like, you know, involves Elsa and Spider-Man. We've seen a few of those, but they also have the ones that like, it looks like they, they it looks like they use like some kind of like a truck driving simulator yeah. to create like a world where like the trucks change color and like it's just weird they're very weird and once i learned that they're kind of built by algorithms yeah. it 
started to make a lot more sense that it's a computer's approximation of what children should be into. But what's scary is just how many parents just are like, because we see kids at the restaurants with iPads watching them like all the time. And just like that, like, so basically a computer is raising your children. So, um, so we don't let our kids watch YouTube because there's just no substance to it. So we try to, we try to at least have the kids like watch shows that have some form of like conflict and problem solving and story because we think story is important. I think that's good. I think that's cool. Hey, Matt. Hello. Um, I see you're wearing your cop glasses. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm just going to do welcome to Masters Divinity. Um, you know who we are. The um, the the thing is, is right before Matt came on or right while Matt was doing this thing, we had this joke Matt, JP between JP and I just sort of like we're, we're reaching that age where we don't understand how computers work. And um, and that that I think is a good segue into kind of what we want to talk about today. Right. Which is JP bringing Matt in, and I, Father Chuck, up to speed on the world of online dating because today as we record Facebook dating has gone online yeah and Matt and I have been we have been wedded for quite a while and so we we are I, I don't know about Matt but I like for me like I'm very intrigued by this world because it's so foreign to me and yeah. there's just so much like I catch little glimpses of things like I'm, I, I know enough like like I know that Tinder is out there because I know that that's like that, that there's a there's a bunch of memes related to Tinder it's Tinder and, and Bumble. I, and yeah. I know about Bumble because like the whole idea of of how that's like that puts kind of all the control in a woman's hands. My mom is a single woman and so she's done some online dating and so she's familiar with you know like she's done more things along the lines of like match.com and things like that which are now oh, kind yeah. of you know, passe right so I'm. I'm I I I want to know more. Like I'm just it just fascinates me. Yeah, face the the Facebook uh, Facebook dating went live yesterday. I made my profile, and then it got deleted. Um, <laughs> Why did it get deleted? Did you delete uh, it? No, just it's glitchy. It's just glitchy. Oh, okay. like I think I think it's in beta. I'm not really sure. If it's not, it probably should be <laughs> because none of my stuff got updated. And I guess I. I... I honestly uh, didn't even know Facebook dating was a thing. I think it literally just launched like yesterday. Well, I only knew about it because JP made a comment on our thread about it yesterday. And then this morning, Kana was like, so Facebook dating like went on live today. And I was like reading about it because she's, she's been following some tech news stuff lately. And it's I was like, interesting because I feel like I love the idea of a Facebook style dating app because Facebook is so nobody takes it seriously anyway. And some people, some people take it really seriously. JP, I, boomers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, there's something about I think because like uh, it, it seems like they're more interested in like connecting people through like their interests and not just like some. What am I saying? I was about to say not through some weird algorithm like Facebook and not using an algorithm. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. There's something. There's something more cash about it that I, that that's drawing me to it. There is one feature though that I think is kind of creepy. Um, called uh, called my crush. That's yes. part of the Facebook dating thing, where basically you you tell Facebook who you have a crush on. That's part of your like friends list, and if they join Facebook dating, and they say they have a crush on you, you're matched instantly. Like it tells you, oh, you both have a crush on each other, but you're also kind of giving away information 
about someone who probably won't be using the app. Like, oh, this person is romantically interested in this person. Like, I mean, think about that for a second. Facebook has that information now. Oh, right. Facebook kind of became the, like, annoying best friend in high school that you couldn't actually trust. Yeah. The one who you'd be like, I think I have a crush on this person. They'd run off and tell that person. Yeah. Well, Facebook won't. That's the thing. They're supposedly not going to tell the person. Right. They only unless find they out have a, they unless they have a crush on you. Correct. Right. But it's right. still like I'm, I'm still like I'm just the implication that they have that information now. So that this this, this user has a crush on this user. I just didn't. I didn't so. think. I didn't even go to that place. I was even. Just, I was just thinking about the fact that like that just seems like it's a it's a dangerous recipe for cheating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so how long do you think it is before Facebook becomes the friend who finds out you have a crush on somebody and Facebook runs off and dates them and rubs it in your face? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Steal your girl. Jeez. Uh, no, I'm just I'm thinking it just keeps like sending a... you like it keeps bombarding your timelines with like happy photos of the two of them together. And I'm just thinking like, of like ads for alcohol. Some. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of, like some poor user who tells Facebook, I have a crush on this person. And then, like, Facebook's algorithm goes nuts with it. Like, they they always show their profile on your timeline above everybody else. They have, like, specified ads with their picture on it. Like, just sort of, like, like fueling the fire of of your desire. (laughs) Yeah, like... Oh, this this like this girl likes likes Yaya vodka. Why don't you also like? Yeah, yeah. It's the she's it's into the, White Claw. It's like a it's like an ultimate version of personalized marketing because yeah. now we will like oh you want them to be into you well here's their favorite clothing brands buy from this store. Facebook like helps you stalk them a little bit, you know. Yeah. Well, Facebook stalking that's nothing new. So. Yeah. I mean, on one one hand, I appreciate this because it seems it seems like a rare moment where Facebook is just kind of honest about what they are. Yeah. You know, because in a way like this is kind of what Facebook was found was founded to be. Right. Um, And so they're just finally kind of getting honest about that fact for 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 some people. But the other thing is, is that, you know, they already kind of acknowledge the fact that I mean, like, okay, so as I mentioned, why I thought we would talk about this was because it's, it's sort of timely for me. Um, 10 years ago, August 30th, I met Kana for the first time. Um, September 11th, 10 years ago, was our first date. Um, when I, I first... Never, that's, that's not appropriate. <laughs> it's not. Um, um, but the... Uh, the um, you know, one of the first things that I, you know, that I did after you know, meeting her is, of course, I looked her up on Facebook. Just to kind of get... You know, just to get of you know like what kind of person she is and you know so i saw you know i saw pictures of you know and she, you know she she did the same thing to me so it's, it's just kind of interesting facebook's kind of getting honest like this is what people do anyway so why don't we just like cut the middleman out instead of like they go to tinder and then they go and then they look this person up on facebook and then they like why don't we just do it yeah i i, th- I feel it's kind of like running a background check you know <laughs> for but- employment yeah, then, but, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's that's kind of like what for, it reminds me of. And it's like if you're just meeting a stranger, like why wouldn't you want to be like you know careful? Like yeah. you didn't know she, you didn't know Kana was like a Satan worshiper until you looked her up on Facebook. And I mean, I had reasonable, I, I had I had a reasonable suspicion that she wasn't because I met her in church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, but, but like you, you know, know, I, know. That's I what was I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, right. But I'm saying like we had like we had <laughs> chemistry, right? I I thought we had chemistry, but I also wanted to make sure that she wasn't 
you know, like, like, you know, that we were going to go out like, you know, that she's going to be like completely like a wildly different person for me. Right. Like, right. you know, that she was some kind of like, I don't know, like firebrand yeah. something, you know? And so, so, I mean, like everyone does this now. Right. I mean, I, I don't think, know. Matt, I I, Matt, do. Matt I... didn't have to do it because Matt, <laughs> Matt like knew Heather when they were like, they were like, part of the original social network church. Yeah. <laughs> We should just create yeah. a social. Just create a social yeah, not, but, church. But you guys, uh, you guys, each other, you guys knew each other for like a decade before you started dating, right? Not really. We we went to the same church, both of us, literally since like birth. Um, mm-hmm. She was born. Her parents were already at the church, and I was three months old when my parents started going to the church. Um, but she she's two years older than me so i knew her name my entire life like i could tell you oh yeah that's heather but i didn't know her at all i literally knew nothing about her and the way i put it is to her i was just her i was her brother's best friend's annoying little brother and that's about the extent of who i was like we didn't know each other didn't know anything about it i couldn't have told you what she liked what she was into I couldn't have told you anything about her, but technically I knew who she was my whole life. So, so yes and no, I guess. But yeah, no, when she started showing interest, I didn't have a clue who she was on like a personal, personal level because she's, I'd I'd never spent any time with her at all. So I had to meet her for the first time too, which is interesting when you've known them forever, but you've never met them. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like it's kind of like a it's a it's kind of like a real world version of meeting a celebrity like, you know, who that person is your whole life, but you've never actually known them, got to know them, met them. That's kind of what the experience was like is I knew who she was my whole life, but I'd never met her. So you were Hugh Grant in Notting Hill. That's what you're saying. Yeah, sure. I am essentially. You had a very mild parasocial relationship. You're trying to develop this stuff, JP. Yeah. And yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm here's the, the, I'll, the. I'll just. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just go ahead and say, I, uh, JP, JP is uh, ready to to dive in. Dive okay. into the the dating pool, as it were. You are, you are you are single and ready to mingle. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because like, <laughs> Pete Holmes was was sort of talking about something similar and one of his comedy specials he's like i'm not gonna i don't want to be 40 and talking about the hulk you know like that's like my life like it, it's i do want to have kids eventually and uh i just turned third i just turned 36 and you know i'm like i think i feel like I'm, i've kind of gotten over like most of my insecurities from my 20s that kind of kept me from from doing dating <laughs> um only took six years in my 30s um, so, you know, I, I kind of went on a, uh, just kind of downloaded apps because that's kind of like what everyone's doing now. Right. Even though my parents, it's, it's actually kind of funny. My, um, my cousin just met her new boyfriend on Tinder. And when she told my aunt and my mom, they like flipped out. You're going on a date with someone from the internet. I was that's like, funny. you guys. You guys realize, like, that's what everyone does now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not. I, I mean, it was. You know, I, I remember when I was in high school, there was a there was a girl 
who I I may or may not have almost been the victim of an early catfishing. Who knows? But um, my mom sure as heck thought so. Um, But there was a girl that I met through AOL Instant Messenger. And nice. uh, Yeah, nice. And so we were chatting and then we had made plans to meet. And then my mom found out about it and got very, very upset with me over this because she was, you know, thinking that like this could actually be like a 40 year old dude who's going to like kidnap me or something. Um, I had spoken with her on the phone. So like I knew she was at least female um, unless because I don't think they had very good voice modulating technology back in 1998. Um, The the BTK killer was known to to change the pitch of his voice to lure men. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but was the BTK killer hanging out at Point Orlando? <laughs> Probably. They didn't catch it until 2006. <laughs> outside, outside the FAO Schwartz? Um, no, but so I... Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but that, that was back then. It was, like, it was such a like, scary thing, right? You don't know this yeah. person. You don't know. Um, but then um, 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 now, like, yeah, like that's what everybody does. Yeah, and I just I thought it was funny. Like I had to like tell my mom, like everybody, everybody does it. it's okay. She's gonna be fine, and she is fine. He's a nice, cool, he's a nice, cool dude. Um, so yeah, I I downloaded a a bunch of bunch of dating apps. I'm on the Tinders, I'm on the Bumble, and I'm on this new one, um, called Hinge, which I actually I, I kind of oh, like. I've heard about Hinge. Tell me, tell me about Hinge. So Hinge is uh, it, it's it's you know Tinder is just like a catalog of faces, and you go left, right, left, right, left, right, right. Well, in this one, um, your your hinge profile is like a bunch of pictures, and then uh, kind of like a, a Q and A uh, uh, situation where it's like you have like you can choose what questions you want to answer, and that's your profile. It's like so it's like these handful of questions, these handful of photos, and um, if you when you're kind of searching through these profiles, instead of swiping left and swiping right, you can like favorite a photo or a uh, question answer section and then like add a comment and they choose whether or not to answer. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's more, it's not just like a, a left, right thing. And then you get matched. Then like, who's going to say something now you kind of have sort of like a standard of like how you would respond to somebody. And that's, it's, 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 I like it cause it's, uh, it's a bit more casual. Well, like one of the things, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things that I that I I mentioned to you yesterday that I think is that I really appreciate, you know, from what I can see from the dating world now is that, you know, you as a single man now are not having to deal with the games that we had to deal with when we were teenagers. I don't know yet, but probably I I hope so. <laughs> like, like I know I, you and I were talking about this last night, like about uh, like what what do you mean specifically by games? You know, like, I mean, when I was growing up, there was like this thing. I was like, well, if you like the girl, don't tell her you like her. Because if you if you tell her you like her, like, that's going to turn her off. What you have to do is you have to like, and there's these strategies that we had to develop on like, you know, it was like how to like unlock a woman's attention or something. And, and, and it was, and it was like, you, you can't be, you know, I mean, it, I mean, some of the games still exist too, right? Like, it's like, you, you want to seem interested, but not desperate. Woman. Yeah. And like, you know, and there was that attitude of like, well, she says no now. She might, she might, she might come around. Right. Which is messed up. Yeah, um, I think that's why I like online dating is because you, you kind of both know why you're here. Right. You can't like, like be a mistake of her. Oh, I thought we were just hanging out as friends. Oh, I thought we were on a date. 
Yeah, I, and you know, and we talked a little bit about this with um, when we talked about um, kissing, dating, goodbye. Um, which, by the way, we there's a major Whoa. follow up to that story we should talk about at some point. Yeah. Um, but that you know, I, we talked a little bit about how like I grew up in that world of you know we don't date because dating is bad. Yeah. Says the 21 year old guy who should never been allowed to write a book on dating and marriage. And I. And like I did, I, I actually only did like, you know, a little bit of dating within like a year and a half period between, you know, a, a, a long term relationship breakup and then meeting Kana. And what was kind of cool about discovering dating at that time was that it was a very simple thing of just sort of like, hey, do you want to go out sometime? Yes or no? Who cares? Like it, it, there was no there wasn't it, it, it was nice to not have to be in that state of like. Ooh, I really like her and I've got to figure out some way in order to be present with her so that maybe she might be open to going in. You know, it was just like when I met Kana, we, um, well, actually when I met Kana, I did not ask her out on a date because I didn't want her thinking that I was at church just to pick up women. Um, but I went back the next week and, uh, to the, to her church. And it was just after that, we just talked and I asked her, Hey, you want to grab, you want to grab dinner sometime? We'll go out sometime. And she was like, yeah. And we didn't have our first date. And just that that sense of just, hey, do you want to, you know, like, like there are a few people that I kind of was pursuing relationships with through uh, online means when I was living in Virginia. And, you know, but it was just simple things like these people I already I, I had I had some kind of connection with through growing up or going to school with or whatever. And it was just sort of like, hey, you want to chat on the phone? You want to chat on Skype sometime or whatever? And it just turned into, you know, it was very simple. It wasn't, there weren't, there wasn't much like, you know, like you didn't have to like strategize and you didn't have to do all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if that's just immature or if like that was the beginnings of our society changing, but there was just something very freeing around that sense of like sort of being honest about the fact that you sort of knew what you were doing and everybody is sort of like open to the idea that like, yeah, like this is just we're yeah. expressing interest in each other. Yeah, I think that's I think it also kind of comes with just growing up too, becoming more mature. And it's like you just don't have the time <laughs> or nor, nor the bandwidth anymore, probably. Right. <laughs> Uh, I know I don't. Um, and I will say, like, it, it's I, – I'm, I'm definitely, you know, trying just kind of, like, playing the field with these apps. But I will say, like, there is still a kind of a part of me that's just, like, I'm already too tired to do this. <laughs> uh, to kind of go through certain steps, I guess, through dating. Um, and I don't know if it's because, like – I've gone through so many of those first steps in the past and like, they never have really gone past that. And I've just kind of burnt out on that part of getting to know somebody or if, um, I don't know. I'm not really sure what it is. Is, is any of that making sense? Like, I, I don't <laughs> You have no idea how I feel probably because you've been, both been married for almost a decade. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, that some I'm just saying like some things are still present uh, mm -hmm. with uh, you know the innovation and stuff and I think well yeah I mean you still have to go through the first date and you still have to go through that you know one of the reasons why I knew that I I could never be a full like a like a musician yeah full time is the idea of having to play the same songs over and over and over and over night after night right um and. And because that's a slog and you, you do that when you date, though, because you, you know, how many times can you repeat your origin story? Oh, my God, I know. Um, 
And um, so I so I get that. Like I get like that. There there is there is a there is a, there is a there is a, there is a, a, a men, yeah, it's a slog. Day day. It's a slog. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Um, and it's 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 made me pickier. Like if I don't like I'm not just gonna try to interact with just like random people, you know. It's mm-hmm. there have to, you have to be like really specific about like okay, I'm really attracted to this person. Or I don't know, like a first date. Like I have to do their first date, not like uh, the first date here it comes. You know, like. Mm-hmm. But there's also <laughs> you don't know if the other person has a way about you, which is it's kind of funny. Right. Well, and there's also, I mean, one of the things about dating, though, is that like you get better at it by doing it. And so like there is kind of a sense of like, you know, you you don't want to interview for the job. You, you don't want to be the first, you know, like the job you really want. You know, so I want that to be the first interview that you go on because like you're going to you you have to kind of you have to get the cobwebs out and stuff. But well, um, let me let me ask you guys something. Uh, I'll start with Matt. What was your first date with Heather like? <laughs> they got married. Uh, what was, yeah, what was <laughs> my first date with Heather like? Yeah. Um, I'm the wrong per- that that is the wrong situation. Well, it's, to it's ask why me. it's why I'm asking you. <laughs> because literally, um, so we've covered it before on the show, but it was a long time ago. So. All the people that listen now probably aren't the same ones who used to listen. And they um, yeah, Heather, Heather and I got together on a Friday night because I had a really bad relationship that lasted for a year and ended horribly, um, which J, JP probably remembers that situation. Hi, DP. And, um, and that person <laughs> was very tied into all aspects of life. So when it fell apart, it was a big deal and a mess and everybody had opinions and comments and that just isn't helpful. So when Heather started bringing up the fact that she was interested, um, we took a long time before we actually um, discussed it as a relationship possibility. If that makes sense. We just kind of were like, we'd go out with this group I used to teach at church, and then when the whole group would go home, we'd wind up staying wherever we were at for, like, two hours, hanging out. It um, sounds like courting to me. Yeah. According not, to Joshua not, Harris's... Not uh, purposefully <laughs> um, avoiding dating in the sense that Harris talked about. But, um, but yeah, so... Heather and I got together on a Wednesday night at a Starbucks and had a four-hour conversation about whether or not we wanted to actually pursue a relationship together because neither of us wanted to get involved in anything that um, we didn't feel was, um, in our situation, we didn't feel was going to be serious because of how tied in our families were to church and everything. Again, we didn't want that whole scenario all over again. Right. So we talked for like four hours about everything under the sun, stuff that you usually wouldn't talk about before you're actually dating. So on our first date, on a Friday night, our first date, um, we went out to dinner together and I asked her to marry me. <laughs> so we, we should probably warn our listeners. Um, and, then, to... and, then, and then three weeks later, we got married. Yeah. Well, see, don't, and you're still together. And and two kids and 10 years later, we're still together. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't, listener, <laughs> don't do that. I mean, 
yes, do it. If, oh, maybe, if maybe, all maybe the stars, you found the, the secret though. Like maybe you've yeah, you've found if, something. Like if all the stars, I have a comment that fits more appropriately with this this episode too to to share in a second. But if all the stars align and it's right, then absolutely, I'm telling a listener to do it because that's what I did. But for the most part, don't do that. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying that's the way to go about relationships. Um, this is just one of those. You know, the most annoying thing on earth is asking a married person, "How did you know when you met your spouse?" Because it's always the same answer, and it isn't helpful. And it's you just know. Yeah. And it makes absolutely no sense. It makes you angry when you're single. You want to punch them in the face. And then you get married and somebody says, how did you know? And you go, "Eh, you just know. Um, So if you just know, go for it. It worked. It's amazing. It's incredible. I don't regret anything. My life is amazing now. And it's all because of that. But I'm not telling people that's the way to go about it. But I will say, kind of in line with this episode, a funny comment because Again, this is not relationship advice. This was just specifically me and Heather and our world and how the two came together perfectly and timing and everything to work. Um, do, do you but her think... parents did say at one point, wouldn't you like want to date him before you get married? And she's like, ah, we'll date after we're married. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that you're, if you hadn't had the previous relationship, that would have wouldn't have happened no it definitely would not have happened if if i didn't have the the previous experience and all the unique and specific to that experience in person all the issues if all those things weren't exactly the way they were this never would have happened the way it did because uh, because the factors of that situation tied in so much with the decisions we made about whether or not we wanted to date, the way we went about it, the um, the way we did kind of fall into like an accidental courting situation instead of dating, dating. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is only because of the previous relationship before it. So it's, it's that thing where there is no, I don't believe there is a right or wrong way to do any of this. You have to be very mindful and, and, contemplative about yourself and what what you need from a relationship because first of all for jp jp is single right now he is not in a relationship with somebody and and ready ready to to mingle yeah single and ready to mingle so i would say i spent most of my life hearing as a christian person hearing try to be the person that your future wife is going to want to marry if, I don't know if you two have heard that advice, but I've oh, spent totally. most of my life hearing that. And I want to be like, shut up, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> I see it the complete reverse. JP, you are single right now, ready to mingle. But you're single right now, you're not tied to anybody. The only focus you should be looking at from a relationship is, what is it that I need from a relationship that's going to build me up, that's going to keep me healthy on my emotional, um, mental level, that's going to allow me to continue to grow as a person and continue to grow into who I want to be. And what do I need from a relationship right now that's going to be a healthy addition to that and not something that's going to cause me to try and 
turn into something else. Um, after you get, after you get involved in a relationship, then the situation becomes, okay, now I'm in a relationship. Now I'm trying to be the person I believe I need to be, but now I have another person to consider. Now I need to also think about what do they need? What do I need to, to do for them? That's the relationship aspect. But when you're single, it's the time to be like, I mean, it's like the, it's the, to, to, to get biblical for a second. It's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. Like, it, it, he, he talks about how it's better to be single. And people are like, oh, see, so you shouldn't. No, no, no. He's saying single is the only time in your life where you do get to focus 100% on you. What do you need? What do you, where are you trying to go? What do you want to become? What is your purpose here? Because the second you have a relationship involved, it's no longer just you. Now you need to worry about the other person, their needs, their concerns, um, trying to help them to grow, help, help them to, to be free to be who they want to be. But you both have to do it while also be trying to decide what are we going to be. So relationship brings that in. Single person. Quit trying to be the person you think your future spouse wants and try and be the person you believe you're supposed to be. Yeah, because I mean, then, to, to, try to, be what you, to try to be what you think a fictional person yeah. wants you to be, like that's a, that's a really messed up reality. Mm-hmm. And we lived with that. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. You're kind of setting but, yourself and, up for failure too and to being disappointed in the other person. Right. Well, yeah, because it's like, yeah, because they're not living up to some weird standard that you've created. Right. Um, Yeah, because you're trying to because, yeah, because what? Oh, man, this is thank you for this, Matt, because like this is giving some language or some stuff that I thought of as a teenager and, and into my 20s that I hadn't really been able to give language to. But like, I realized some of the problems that I had with relationships and, 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 the, and, and the emotional turmoil and the and just the just the, the horrible things that I experienced and even probably did um, in my emotional immaturity um, was related to this idea of being told that kind of idea right be the be the be the try to be the kind of person that you for the spouse that you want but that inevitably also creates an ideal of what you want that spouse to be and so then that also creates a situation where as a man like i kind of felt that it was my job to kind of hammer the woman into the shape of that person rather than like learning to appreciate her as she is just as i hope she appreciates me for how i am yeah um, I think there's probably, yeah, that, that's, I think overall that's true. But I also think there might be like small things, uh, where it kind of applies. Like, uh, if you, if you want to be with a sophisticated, stylish person, maybe try being a bit more sophisticated and stylish yourself. You know? but, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But again, yeah. the focus, uh, the focus JP that I'm saying is when you're single, it's who do you want to be? Yeah. So do you want to use your example, even though I don't mean style and stuff like that, but to use your example, if you're like I, the healthy, the healthiest form of me is somebody who attempts to remain sophisticated, to dress in a way that puts out there that I care about myself and I have a sense of style. That's important to me because it makes me feel healthy and grow toward the person I want to be then you would be looking for somebody who's going to be sophisticated and stylish. You're not becoming sophisticated and stylish to attract that person. You are looking for the person who's part of what you're wanting to become. Does that make sense? 
yeah. it's a shift in focus that to me was the to me it was the biggest eye-opening and freeing moment was when I realized I don't need to become something so that I can attract that person. I need to find the person that I'm attracted to because we are becoming the same same way. Like we're both moving toward the same thing. We have shared desires, shared goals, shared dreams, and neither of us are putting it on because we're trying to, to fit in with the other person. It's I naturally met the person who fit into where I was going in life. Um, because it's like I said, it just it was such a to me an unhealthy way of thinking to think like be the person that your future spouse is going to want. And I'm like, well, I don't know who my future spouse is, so how am I going to become who they want? Like Chuck's saying, it's a fictional person. How do I become what they want? But then it's like, but I don't even know what I want to become. So how am I going to find a future spouse? And how? How selfish and wrong of me would it be to attempt to find a future spouse when I don't have any idea where I'm actually heading in life? So I'm going to pull this person in and pretend to be what they need when I'm actually going, but I don't have a clue who I am, what I want, where I'm going, and you're going to have to deal with all that and figure it out with me. Um, as opposed to growing and focusing on who you are and who you are going to become and what you want to do in the world and then meeting people and finding the people who do and don't line up with the direction you're going in and then you find somebody who does kind of line up so you start hanging out with that person you start going on a date with that person you both learn that we have shared desires and interests and then your equal focuses change to okay so now how do I continue to move toward who I'm becoming and include this person and what they need and also become part of their support and what they need to become who they want to become. Right. So I see, I see a, an ideal, an ideal situation to try and put words to it. An ideal relationship is two individuals who get to hold on to their individuality, but become something more. They become the whole like two become one. Yeah, but they don't lose who they are. They found the person who allows them to still grow and maintain a sense of individuality while also gaining this other level of like, now we are us instead of just her and I. It's like, we're us. This is us. Yeah. We are going in this direction. I'm not going to force her to become me and go the way I want to go. Mm -hmm. We are going to be us moving toward this direction, this way in life. We're going to support each other, build up each other, encourage each other, and tell each other when you're being an idiot. But I'm not going to try and shape her into something else. And right. you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. I mean, and I was just thinking that, that what I kind of like about, you know, bo both of your relationships, both you and, and, and Chuck, uh, with your relationship with Heather and Canna, is it doesn't seem like you, you, you guys are not very you, you're not controlling. Um, I don't really see any any hint of that at all. Uh, either in both parties, there's no kind of attempt to like change the other person. I think you both and your spouses sort of let each other kind of be who you are, um, which I think is really interesting and really. 
cool. <laughs> kind of inspiring. That is definitely something I would like. Um, I don't know. There's something... Uh, I just see something kind of freeing in your relationships that I don't see like in other ones that feel kind of rigid, I guess. Does that, does that make sense? Am I Am I correct or... I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I'll, and I'll comment looking at um, Chuck and Kana so that it doesn't seem arrogant that I'm talking about myself, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll comment looking at them. I think that that's their relationship is it's a picture of what I'm talking about. It's two people who have a healthy view of themselves, a healthy view of who I am, what I'm meant to be, um, what I'm created to be, to use language of our faith. It's I'm created to be this person. I have a healthy sense of this is what I need to do to become the person God wants me to be. And then I found a person who lines up in a way that they can, they can hold on to who they are, who they're created to be, but we become together too it's a hard thing to explain it's uh, because like you you always heard that two become one thing too and that you get this idea that like now we just have one brain and we walk around and we do one thing together and if somebody strays you slap them on the wrist and they come back and then you have your one brain again and keep going or you 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 do the combined facebook account yeah (laughs) yeah oh gosh listen or people who do that we know why you do it (laughs) like it's it's uh, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Some trust issues in, going on there. <laughs> yeah. Now there's going to be, now there'll be like combined Facebook dating apps. And, <laughs> it's going to get so in confusing. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a hard, it's a hard thing to understand, but I think Chuck and Kane are, are a good, good picture of it. Yeah. Is when it works out the way it should to becoming one, to use the, the Christian lingo again is it's like it's like it's not like two plus two equals one or one plus one equals one it's still two people but it's like this new thing the two becomes something else it's a partnership um, yeah yeah which they which don't is why lose who they are yeah which is one of the reasons why i really and I, I apologize matt if you had one of these in your wedding but it's something that it's a hot button issue for us Episcopalians. We're very passionate about this. Very, and, and many of my peers are passionate against these. And that is the is unity candle? candle. Yes. No. See, we <laughs> use something else for, and I'll tell you why for that reason. But the but thing with ahead. unity candle, why we don't like them, one is that it was a, it's a sort of a Protestant thing that, that was developed for churches that don't have ritual and they wanted to create ritual, even though they could have just drawn from their own tradition to create that ritual, because the actual symbol of unity in the Christian marriage is the the exchanging of rings and the binding of hands. But that's a, a, a tangent but the but the, but the, the candle like the sure blowing out your own candle yes yes mm-hmm. because that idea that like oh we take these two candles we light them into one candle and we extinguish the candles as though we cease to be as long as that we cease to be individuals and that's we, mm. we i've seen people attempt to and this is all look if you did the unity candle in your marriage and that's you're like i don't believe i don't it's just a, it's a, it's a, I get it. It's a, it's a traditional thing to do and it's whatever. I've seen people attempt to remedy that by not blowing out the candles. So right, they light is, the third and they leave the other. And then Heather and I, we wanted to do some kind of symbolic imagery thing, but we didn't want to do that either. So we decided to do the sand. Right. Where it like mingles. And the whole point, 
Yeah, and the whole point to the sand is that there's still the two distinct. There's like yeah. See, it had like pink sand. I had white or something. So there's still the two distinct sands that are separate, and they won't ever become each other, but they become something else too. And that's kind right. of the closest, if you want a symbol to us, that's kind of the closest image to what I could describe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 that whole, it's hard to understand. But to get really, really, really deep into it would be, to me, it's all part of being created in the image of God and the fact that God is a triune God, that he is three in one, that he is somehow one God, but three separate. The three aren't any less without the other. They're all complete, all whole. And yet they are one God. And yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Neither does marriage. And to me, marriage is kind of an interesting picture of that. Like humanity is created in God's image as male and female, in my opinion, equal. And I don't mean, I'm not, this isn't to talk about gender discussion stuff. I just mean male and female, they were created to be equal in his, in my opinion, neither above the other, neither more important. Both are 100% complete the way they are. Um, you, as an individual, you are complete the way that in and of yourself, you don't need somebody else to be the person that you are going to be. You're complete. And yet, if you find somebody and decide to join in a relationship with them for life to have a committed relationship with that person. And the two of you are going to live a life together. You become like something else also. So somehow you were both completely a hundred percent the way you should be as an individual. And yet together you're somehow another hundred percent the way you should be. Does that make sense? Like it's, 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 it's a, it's a math equation that doesn't add up, but that's, to me what it is like well i mean jesus gives a pretty good illustration of this in the new testament where he talks about um where he talks about he uses the image in, in talking about marriage of he says a cord of three strands is not equal is not easily broken um so the idea of a braid right mm-hmm. you've got you know so in a braid you have i mean it's three distinct things bound together into one stronger thing and so, you know, the marriage, uh, you know, the illustration that I've often heard pastors use in talking about this in terms of marriage is that you have the two people and God representing the three braids or whatever. Um, but, but again, that's saying that idea of these two distinct things, but as they're interwoven, they become a new thing, but they don't cease to be because if they cease to be right, like if they cease to be their individual strands, then you still only get one strand. You don't get the stronger thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, that's a great answer to the first date question. That's uh, the whole thing on marriage. You gotta get. That's great. Uh, can I ask that's you? That's why now? I said you should not have started with me, JP. <laughs> I told you bad idea to ask Matt. So, how was your first date with Heather? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, h- how about you, Father Chuck? What was your first date with Kana like? So, my first date with Kana, of course, is on nine eleven two thousand nine. <laughs> Um, we, um, so, so, all right. So when I met Kana, um, I saw her at church. We, uh, we were both late to church at St. Paul's K street in Washington, DC and, um, both late for different reasons. And we met at the front door and, um, I was there to meet some friends, but there was no room in the pew with them. And so Kana just offered to let me sit with her. And so, um, and I thought, you know, she was really cute and I sat with her at church and it was weird because we didn't talk to each other because we were in church. 
Um, but then after the service, we talked a little bit, learned that she was from Florida, learned all these different things. Um, my, one of my favorite things, she, she, she doesn't like when I, I mean, she sort of rolls her eyes when I bring this up, but one of the things I love is, uh, cause we, we, we do a thing where the two of us will often meet with couples when we do premarital counseling to get like she and I will meet with one of the couples before they get married and we talk about this stuff. And so the story never really comes up. So I, this is, a, I've well rehearsed talking about our first date, um, and how we met. But uh, one of the things that Kana said to me at church was she said um, she said that you know, she started coming to that church because of a boyfriend. And she's like, and then really quick, I mean, I, and I, I am not hesitant. She thinks I'm wrong when I do, but I, I am accurate in my depiction of how she responded to that. She goes from a boyfriend. Oh, but, but he's, he's, he's not a boyfriend anymore. She like was, <laughs> he, he's, we're not, and uh, which she was just like, I was just trying to be accurate. I wasn't trying to like, <laughs> let you know I was single. I'm like, whatever. Um, you were totally trying to let me know you were single. So I, um, so, but then, like I said, I didn't want her to think that I was at church just trying to meet women. So I intentionally did not ask her out on a date. Um, and then I had, um, I, but I knew just as, as weird as this is, and again, like Matt said, it's an obnoxious thing, but I just, I knew that I was going to marry her. Um, and I, so I called my mom that day and I called my mom and I said, Hey, I, I, I met my wife today. And my mom was like, what's her name? I was like, Kana, what's her last name? I don't know. She's like, do you have a date? Nope. Do you have a number? Nope. I'll figure it out. What's and, your last uh, name? It's going to be Browning. It doesn't matter. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. But yeah, so so I mentioned to a couple of my friends that I, you know, she was really cute. And a couple of my friends at seminary, um, like my friend Jess um, and my friend Meredith, who both the, the two of them lived across from me, they were like, you have to go back. Well, it turned out that my buddy Charles um, was preaching the next Sunday. And so I was like, all right, I have an excuse that I'm there to see Charles in case, like, you know, things go south. So when I... So I showed up at church and I, I, I found Kana and we talked and we talked until they like somebody was sweeping around us at the in the parish hall after the service. And so we closed out the coffee hour after church. And so um, I asked her if we could go if she wanted to go on a date. And so we made a plan to go out on a date. Now, best part about this is that um, I was wearing a trilby hat and a vest. Oh, geez. Right. But like with jeans and like a short sleeve shirt. I was like, I was very, I was very urban outfitters hipster at this time. Mm-hmm. And we made our date. So we go out on the date and uh, we're getting ready to go on the date. That, a couple of things. This is an important detail. Oh, go ahead, Matt. What? That might be the secret, Chuck. And before you finish, interrupt, because when I, Heather and I um, got met, quote unquote, dated and got married, I was in a vest phase too and very urban outfitter shopping. Mm-hmm. So JP, the answer might be it. urban outfitters. So, but carry on. Go ahead. So, so the day of the date comes, and Kana likes this part. So, the day of the date comes, and I decide I was going to wear a vest on the date because of continuity. She thought that I was attractive enough when I first met her, so she would probably find it okay. You know, I wanted to, you know, to look somewhat familiar, but not like I had the same outfit, but like familiar enough to her to like, you know, whatever. This is my strategy. Um, And I, um, I was getting ready to trim my beard because. Um, you know, I had it kind of drilled in my head that I was, you know, supposed to look a certain way. And I had been in a previous relationship where there was a lot of pressure about like, you know, keeping my beard trim. My, my, my ex really, you know, wanted that. And I'd never, I hated it. I hated trimming my beard. Um, and I remember looking at my face in the mirror and I mentioned this detail cause I think it's important. I remember I looked at my face in the mirror and I was just like, you know what? She doesn't like the beard. She doesn't like the beard. That's okay. Like it's okay. It's okay. It's okay for her to not like something about me because, you know, we're just going on a date and she can have a great life if she doesn't like it. And 
that was a huge step for me because I had been, I guess Matt and I already talked about, you know, been so conformed around this idea of trying to make myself into being what I thought someone else would want for me that that had that realization of just like, eh, like there's, there's no pressure here. And so anyway, so I went out, so I, we got there and, um, we had a date planned and I had a progressive date planned in the sense that I had a place for dinner and then I had an idea of what we would do, but I didn't want to tell her the full plan in case like dinner was awkward. It would be like, all right, have a good night. Like I wasn't going to try to like keep her around in an awkward evening. And I didn't want her to think that it was just like she was cutting off the date early. So like I, I we were going to go out to a dinner to a particular place. We we're going to go to the dessert at, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was, uh, it, it, we went to this place called Del Rey in, um, uh, the Del Rey neighborhood of, um, Arlington, Virginia. There was this really great little restaurant there. I can't remember the name of it now. And I can't remember where we went for dinner, but it, or for dessert, but it was a, um, it was a custard frozen custard place where Obama had taken, um, his daughter. Um, and then, um, I proposed that we were going to go walk around the monuments after, which of course I did not know at the time being, uh, this is in DC by the way, which I did not know that, um, in DC for people who live in DC that apparently, um, walking around the, wa going to walk around the monuments is a euphemism for making out. <laughs> um, I did not know that at the time. Um, but anyway, so we had this great dinner. Monuments and chill. Yeah. So. <laughs> So Lincoln and chill. So Kana, uh, Kana ordered, I remember when I was just like in love for sure was that Kana ordered a steak like rare. And I was like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and then we, and then we went to the custard place and had that. And so it kept like, like, okay, this date's going well, so we can go do the next thing. And so we did, we then went to the Lincoln Memorial and we walked around that walked around the reflecting pool. Um, and I will say it was one thing I, I, I generally try not to do. Um, is I try not to kiss on a first date, but the moment was perfect. We were walking by the reflecting pool and we could hear taps playing from the Arlington base and, um, and Kana stopped and it was just like this moment we stopped, the moon was full or whatever. And so it was just like, I ha like, I'm going to go for it, but I resisted. So JP knows this. I don't know if Matt knows this, but JP might know that I used to have a line. My line was, I would, was, I would say, you want to kiss me, don't you? And it like worked almost every time. And I resisted using the line on Kana. And I oh, just that's went, why she married you. She would have left you if you used that line. All right. So did, did, does she know that you resisted using that line? Does she know about that? Yeah, I told her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows all about it. Yeah. And it, what, what? How would she have reacted if you used that? Does she? Has she told you that? Uh, I think she would have. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Probably I have to, I'll have to ask her. To be honest, only because she was already into him, not because the line works. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So then, um, and then um, you know, we hung out for a little while longer, and then we, uh, you know, I took her back home, and that was our first date. And um, then a couple weeks later, we went on a second date. She was getting ready to go to Cleveland, Ohio, um, for work, and. Um, and so we went on one more date before she had to leave for Cleveland. She was going for two weeks. Or maybe we'd gone on a date or two. Anyway, it was like either our, it was, yeah, it was during our second date, though. I don't remember what we did on our second date. We were just sort of hanging out. And it was during that second date that I mentioned to her, because she was leaving on my birthday to go to Cleveland. And I was tell, and I told her that, oh, that's what it was. We went on a date. She went to Cleveland for two weeks and then she came back. She had a job where she traveled a lot. And then she was going to um, Indonesia for two weeks. And so our second date was after she got back from Cleveland and then she was getting ready to leave a couple weeks later to go to Indonesia. And it was during that second date that I mentioned that she was leaving on my birthday 
and my mom was coming in the same day. And so I was like, well, if I take you to the airport, like we're going to bump into my mom. So I was like, you want to meet my mom? Like on the second date. And she was like, okay. So we did like our third date. We had dinner with my mom. And, um, and then, um, um, my mom told me, she's like, you know, I, she's like, when she left, she's like, I watched two people fall in love when, when she left the way. And, um, and sure enough, like that, we told each other we loved her when we loved each other when, um, when I picked her up at the airport. Um, and she came back two weeks later, but, um, um, one of my favorite moments about that I will mention is that, um, I, on my birthday, I received a bit of a intoxicated phone call from Munich from her while she was at, um, Oktoberfest. (laughs) And, uh, it was it was very it was very delightful. It was a delightful, really. I was about to say. I bet it was delightful <laughs> to hear boom, 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 in the background of this whole phone call. She can't hear me, and so she's just like, "I haven't had." She's like, "I've just had two liters of beer, and I haven't had food since America." And she's just like telling me <laughs> about like going to a beer tent in in, in Munich um, for Oktoberfest. It was really cool. Um, I don't know if that's going to embarrass her that I've told that story to like all you know. <laughs> 10 of our listeners. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so those were our, that was our, those were our early relationships, our early dates in our relationship. But I, we, we, so... we, I proposed to her like seven months later. See, I proposed seven days later. You need right. to catch up. Um, <laughs> next time I'll, I'll, I'll do better math. <laughs> next time. <laughs> I'm going to go, go on for seven minutes. So, so I, I have to, unfortunately at this point in our relationship, be the person that breaks up. Oh, sorry. Um, I have to leave too, actually. So we so need I to be at a... Okay. I guess what I'm what I'm kind of gleaning from both of you is that uh, there there is no sort of uh, 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 rule book that you had to follow to get to where you are, and uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's like kind of no duh for some people, but it it sort of makes me doubt using these apps listening to both you and and Matt Chuck mm-hmm. um, because of how just sort of natural it happened for both of you but I guess I'm in a very different um, situation I, I'm not really running with a group uh, well, I'm not very involved in my community I'm kind of out in the middle of nowhere and very isolated well um, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is that, I mean, this is something like Chuck Polinick talks about, he talked about when he wrote Fight Club, is he was just, part of the basis of the book of Fight Club was that, you know, the, the, the desire for human connection throughout history has resulted in people creating contexts in which to meet each other. He says, whether it's barn raisings or people doing, beating each other in basements, like it's all an excuse to be together. And I think, I think that, you know, like, you know, both Matt and I had experiences with church. So on one hand, I could say, hey, JP, you need to go to church. (laughs) Um, But the other is that, you know, like, I mean, Matt, Matt knew Heather and their circumstances led to, you know, um, to them, to them finding out that they had this, uh, they had this, these feelings for each other. Like mine was completely accidental. I mean, literally accidental because I took the metro to church that day because I thought traffic was going to be bad. And I, and then the metro was late, but I was right about traffic being bad and that traffic made Kana late. And, and so like I first saw Kana on the street in front of the church and I just assumed cause the church is like on George Washington university campus. So I thought that she was a GW student. I had no idea she was going to church. And, and so it was just, it was a completely accidental thing. Like it could have, it could have just as well been, 
you know, uh, uh, at a grocery store, if I had struck up a conversation with her at a grocery store. I mean, it just, so I, the, the apps exist to create the context to interact with one another. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that I, you know, if your story of how you meet someone is just simply like, oh, we met on, we met on Tinder and now we're married. Like that's a boring story, but I don't think anyone would tell that story. They would say, you know, like they would start it out by saying that like, you know, I, you know, I was ready for a relationship and I started these online apps and, you know, I started these profiles and then we went, you know, like they would find a way for it to be more than just, oh, we met online. Right, right, yeah. Right, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I mean, as an aside though too, JP, it could also be, and this is a story that happens to a number of people is, you know, you, you, you know, you start doing the online dating thing and then you meet somebody in a random place, like, right. You know, and for all, I mean, Kana, for instance, um, she was on her way on August 30th, 2000, uh, 2009. She was on her way after church to have a lunch date with another guy. Hmm. She had gone to church. She met me and then she went on another date. Wow. And um, and I th- and it may have been a guy. I'm trying to think if she met him online. But it. You know, so so, you know, you never know what's going to happen in these situations. Like, you know, you may go on, you may you may schedule a date with someone on, you know, through through Hinge or something and they may, you know, like not show up or they may like have to cancel last minute. And there you are. And someone else is like, hey, can I buy you a drink? Right. Like you just you you never know what's going to happen. And again, like these apps are one. It's a way to get you motivated to actually try to meet people. It's there to create the context for you to meet people, whatever that context might be. And like you said, in your situation right now, it makes total sense. You know, you're in rural Oklahoma. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have as many opportunities to like, you know, just like bump into people or whatever. Right. I mean, you like you actually I mean, you have to make effort just to even like casually meet people. Right. And so this is just this is just the, you know, for lack of a better word, this is the excuse to make those those encounters occur um and so um and so yeah so i mean like i think that the i I wouldn't downplay the app i don't think it's any less of a legitimate thing or something to use that because it it can provide the context for something very natural to happen and again like like when you know you know and and that will defy that will no matter what will defy the circumstances and the context anyway that's yeah that's that's true um yeah um uh, i guess i guess uh just the idea of sort of like the apps that they they do what you what you're saying but it's also sort of like an attempt to sort of like kind of for you to manufacture a way to meet somebody and i guess there's a part of me that that's sort of put off by that but the other part of me is like well i mean every every instance is basically a, 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 an attempt to manufacture a way to meet somebody so it's like yeah, it's, it's really no different. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about like prior to the prior to the development of apps that we had bars and clubs, yeah, exactly. yeah, right. and that's just what they were. They were they were they were context for people who were you know to to go in. I mean, you still have the club, you still have all that stuff, right? And it's right. it's really the same kind of thing, except this allows for something much more meaningful than you know, or at least it can, yeah. right? I mean, it's all about how you use it, um, right? Um, but, so- yeah. Uh, Matt, did you want to... Oh, you're frozen. I don't know if... Uh... No, I'm not frozen. Oh, you're... 
Now you're oh. now you sound like <laughs> Bausch, the the bounty hunter. Yete yeto. Who was actually Princess Leia, but I'm just kind did, of waiting. Did 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 Princess Leia kill a bounty hunter and steal his outfit? I don't really know what the ex, what the extended universe story is behind that. Or I, sh- I feel or, like I should or, know. Or is the Bausch costume just one of the costumes that was in like storage in the Millennium Falcon that was left there by Lando? Because apparently Lando just had like a whole bunch of costumes stored in the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. That, all right, well that's that's all the time we have uh, for for this this month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this this might be our new format doing once a month. Um, maybe we'll see. We're still trying to figure out uh, what it's going to be, but stay tuned. We'll we'll figure something out. Right, right. We always yeah. do. Yeah. Um, so I want to thank uh, Father Chuck. You're welcome. And uh, Matt Wells also. Thank you. I'm sure he's a. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening and watching. Uh, be sure to join us again uh, next time. And uh, have a good journey. Good journey. Uh,